Welcome back to the Chip Lunch Podcast. Uh, it is a pleasure to be with either in your eyes or your ears, whether you're <laughs> watching us or just listening. I've missed you guys, and it's um, great to have you. It's great to have you back. Something else that I've missed is Braden. It's good to be back. My usual, co- one of our usual co-hosts. Yeah, fantastic to have you on. Looking very uh, corrugated. Corrugated. Rather dapper. Oh, yeah. thank you. Shh, just wait. We'll bring, come to you in a second. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wait until you're introduced before we talk to you. And I like how you like keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> uh, yes. How are you? Are uh, uh, corrugated, corrugated, ready to go. Nothing but compliments. Uh, if, yeah, that's right. If you get rained on, it'll come off quickly because it's got channels. The, the water will go in channels. Oh, go thank down you. Your Do you want to introduce our guest who's now allowed to speak once you say his name? Wow. Such power. Such responsibility. <laughs> oh, now I just want to keep talking to you. It's <laughs> yeah, that's it. And our shortest episode ever. Walking into the studio now. <laughs> Welcome, Greg Crawshaw. G'day. Hey, how's it going? How are you? I'm good. First day back at work for the year, so that's yes. a bit tired, but otherwise good. That's a great, what a, what a great time to do a podcast. <laughs> when you're tired and a little bit emotional, we find out they make pretty good podcasts <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> People must listen to it. It's like watching reality. Awesome. They, you can, like, they listen to it and then judge everyone on it and they feel, right. they feel good about themselves. Yep. Um, you're looking, I feel like I haven't seen you for a while. You're a bit hairier than I saw you last. Yeah. I'm channeling my my uncle. Yes. Uncle Chris. Um, he's got a bit of a beard. Yeah, okay. And, yeah, I don't like the look of me without a beard, so. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. Is that just you or is there other people that have said the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's predominantly just me. Okay. And the fortunate thing is my wife hasn't known me without a beard, so uh-huh. she can't complain. Very good. And how, like this is a, a, a longer length that I've seen before. How long has it taken to, to grow at that length, do you think? Um, oh, I think I grew at this length 2019. I started growing it longer. It's a COVID so, beard. Yeah, a bit of a COVID beard. But yeah. it, I had a beard. I've had a beard for the yeah. last 10 years. Yeah. Um, but I grew it long in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And you said that you, your first day at work because you're a teacher. That's it's right. A very teacher shirt. I'd have to... Like if if I may say so. Why? I don't know. I just feel like you walked in and you're like, that's a teacher. But you did walk in with sunglasses on, yeah. which is like, I wonder if he does that as a teacher all the time. You should do that. Just walk in a bit of a power move. Coming. Well, in. my future is so bright. Oh, yeah, that's true. I love that. That's, a, <laughs> that's one of my favourite comedians. Chris D'Elia says that. He like, goes on a podcast and they're like, take your sunglasses. He's like, my future is too bright. <laughs> that's right. It's a great comment. Anyway, um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for having on. me. No, it's very exciting to have you on. Um, no, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Please. Why don't we ask the opening question that we always like sure. to ask? Sure. Which is, how do you like to eat your hot chips? Hot. Hot? With salt and vinegar. Ooh. It's the English in him. It is yes. the English in me very mm, much, though. Because your mum was on this podcast quite a long time ago, and she said the same. She was the first one. But to she's say not English. Yes. Oh, that's true. She's Australian. She's Australian. Sorry. Well, so it's obviously my mum's influence. Influence. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, is it, what, what does the vinegar do for you? Because like, people know about salt and vinegar crisps. Yes. What, is it any different on a hot well, chip? Well, they're salt and vinegar chips. Yeah, okay. They're not crisps. We're not in England. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Thanks for working with me. 
Um, doesn't it make it soggy? No, because you don't put enough on. Yeah. You don't put too much on. Is it like a, a dash? Is it a sprinkle? Or is no, it no, a it's a fair white. It's a but, glug. But yeah, enough not to make them so- soggy. Right. And you've got to eat them fast enough. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah, so they don't get cold. And That's right. Mm. And I eat reasonably fast and I'm fine. Okay. Any sauce? No. Mm. Regular salt. However, oh. regular salt, 100% yes. hate oh. chicken salt. Yes, me too. <laughs> However, when Stu and I were kids and we lived in the country... Yes. We would occasionally go home via Dad's work at the bank and we would put tomato sauce on. Mm. Not because we liked tomato sauce, but because we knew all the staff in his bank didn't like tomato (laughs) sauce. (laughs) And so it would then mean that we got to eat the chips. (laughs) Smart. That is a very smart move. It's, yeah... Behaviour typical of a crawl. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, any particular place that you like to get your chips from, or like even something else I like to ask people was like, do you have a particular memory about hot chips? That was a good one actually with the sauce. Well, that was else? yeah, that's a great memory. Yeah. Um, another memory. I wouldn't say there's a particular place I buy my hot chips from anymore. Um, but a particularly good memory was when I was a kid. Growing up, my grandparents would, we would um, do a day trip down to Wollongong and sit at Wollongong Harbour and have fish and chips with my grandparents. Yeah. So that was a great memory. That's back in the 1970s. Yeah, sweet. There's quite a lot of people that did that with their grandparents. Yeah. Um, And we used to have to pay a toll. On the F6? Yep. There used to be a toll there. Yep, used to be a tollway. Wow. Whole 40 cents. Yeah, Ooh. when you go through Helensburg and you come at the yeah, top of the Yeah, don't want to do that one too many times. <laughs> <laughs> that was also the place that my grandfather got booked for speeding in his little Morris 1100. Oh. And he was impressed with his car. He wasn't upset he, about he being speed. booked. <laughs> it was, he was impressed that his car could actually break the Must speed limit. Must have been going down a pretty big hill. <laughs> well, it's the big hill after the toll gate. Yeah, uh, going down that big one. Yeah. It, so, yeah, I don't know if you know, because you were quite young, Braden. Oh, thank you. And I don't. I actually remember... Toll gates being there, but it's where you go through Helensburg, go up yep. the hill, and it's yeah. at the top of that hill. Ah, okay. Just not is it Helensburg? No, not Waterfall. Helensburg. Waterfall. Sorry. Yeah. You go through Waterfall, yep. and that's it's at the top of that. And hill. you've got the mm. diversion off to go on the old highway. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then as you come up over the top of the crest, just <coughs> as it turns into the 110 zone, that's yeah, where yeah. the tollway was. Mm. That's why okay. there's that big wide area there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then, oh mate. Yep. Put, it, put it in, put it in H, put it in yep. neutral. <laughs> and flogged it down the hill. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, uh, Brandon, do you want to ask the second question? Yeah. How did you become a Christian, Greg? Um, well, I grew up in a Christian household. Mm. Um, I grew up going to church. Um, and I was eight when I made the decision to become a Christian. Um you know, we were very blessed in the church we went to, um, the teaching that we got there, um, and it made sense. Um, you know, my brother, you know, he became a Christian earlier than me. Um, so, you know, I had that influence in my life, but I don't think I bowed to a, to a family dynamic. It was, a, mm. it was something that became real to me. Um, and, I, and to this day, I still remember the, I was standing on the back deck at my parents' place. Um, in the afternoon, mm. um, yeah, and, and said to Jesus, "Yeah, this is God. This is it. Um, you know, I want you to be in charge." Uh, been a Christian ever since. Um, had my ups and downs in that that Christian walk, um, but yeah, 
So it was just, yeah, the, the, the message was real. Yeah. Um, and I feel really blessed. Um, I don't have, you know, that whole wayward son, you know, prodigal child type <laughs> story. Um, and as a kid, there were, like a teenager, that was a bit of a bit of angst for me at times was that I didn't have that, that story that was this amazing story. But yeah, I look yeah. back now and think I've got an even more amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I've walked with, walked with God my whole life, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, from the point, you know, of an eight-year-old, I can make a decision for myself. I did. Um, Some people that we've had on before, they like say they grew up in a Christian family and they say that there's a time they took it on themselves and it's often in their teenage years. But um, it's interesting to say that you felt like you took it that on earlier, like at the, at the age of uh, eight. It was an evolution. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so I definitely did, um, did become a Christian at eight. And, and I did own it as my own. Um, I think the, the next stage, though, in the late teens um, was that whole thing of working out what of it was mine. Mm. Um, so growing up in a Christian household, you do carry, you know, like with every other opinion, whether it's political or whatever, you, you carry your parents until you get to the point where you go, hang on a minute, is this actually what I believe? And it gets tested. Yeah, well. yeah. And, you know, a really good book. Um, I read, I think I was in the process of working out what was mine in my faith, um, but I read a really good book by a guy called Philip Yancey, The Jesus I Never Knew, and that was really helpful for me as well um, because he talks about his walk and how he had to relearn who Jesus was apart from his parents. So as an adult, as a Christian adult. Um, and so that I found that book helpful. But I mean, it, it just from the point of view that it gave, it gave me the story of somebody who was walking a similar experience. And I think most Christians who become Christians at a young age do have to do that at some point. Yeah. Because otherwise your faith's not real. Yeah, I think so. Do you remember what triggered that? Standing on the back deck, eight years old. No. It was there. You just no, remember I don't remember. Happening. I just remember it happening. Yeah. Um, I remember. Yeah, I think I just came to that realization of Jesus. Uh, you know, God. You know, it's that epiphany, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's that moment where God reaches out to you and says, "Okay, what are you going to do?" Mm. Um, you know, and that and that's where I made that decision. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't remember any. Yeah. Event that motivated it. Yeah. It was just a. At that point in time, that's where I came to. Mm. Was it? Do you notice even when you became a Christian at eight? Do you notice things changing for you, or is it more when that other time you mentioned when you were a teenager reading that book? Did things change? No. Look, um, man, that's a hard question. Um, not hard from the point of view of. Difficult to understand, difficult to answer. Mm. Um, look, I ha- I had been a strong Christian up until then. Mm. Um, my nickname at school was the Christian. <laughs> the, um, the Christian. The Christian. Yeah. Um, so did someone go, "Hey, the Christian"? Or they just no, they shout out the Christian, <laughs> and everybody knew who they were talking about. Yeah. Um, and and again, at the time, I found that tricky because you know that was hard. But looking back. 
man, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, what sort of witness was I? Not always a good one, I can tell you now. Um, but the fact that they knew yeah. that I had a faith. Mm. Um, you know, and that I was different. Um, so that was good. Um, yeah, no, look, like I've struggled. I've, I've done stuff that I shouldn't have done. Haven't um, we all? Yeah, mm. you know, and, and made some pretty poor choices in my life. Um, but it, it, it still was my own. Yeah. Like I think it's always been, and, and mum and dad were great for that. Um, you know, mum and dad always pushed it back onto me of, of what do you think you should do and what do you think, mm. you know, they would tell me what they thought. Um, but it was also that, you know, giving me the choice. It's like a personal responsibility thing. Yes. That's really, and it's, that, yeah. That's really important in your faith, I think. It, and, and it's got to have an impact. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things I've noticed with people is they talk about having a faith, but you don't see it change who they are or it changes their behaviour yeah. or the way they react to people and those sorts of things. And I hope, I hope that people see that in me, mm. that, that I react differently than others. Um, you know, and I feel really blessed in the job that I've got at the moment because I think people do notice that. Mm. People do notice that I'm different. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't quite always understand that I'm different, why I'm different, because I don't prophesize, um, mainly because I'm not allowed to yeah. in my job, which is okay, that's fine. Because you're a teacher in the public system. system. Mm. That's right. Um, but I do regularly get kids say to me, are you religious? Interesting. And I say, no, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm a Christian, yeah. <laughs> um, and what, do they I, say, what do they say to that? Well, they look at me confused and then I explain what I mean. Yeah. I say, I have a faith that is real to me. It's not about mm. the church and the trappings and all that sort of stuff. It's about a, a personal relationship mm. with God. Mm. Um, so that's just my personal definition, I suppose. Um, but that's yeah, and so that's that's great. Um, it's interesting that the power that like God has when He works for His people. Like I was, I've been thinking about this lately. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the 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 test, which is in a documentary on the Australian cricket team. No, and don't like cricket at all. That's okay, but uh, it's a real Ma- waste of time. Manus Labuschagne, who is one of the better batsmen in the team, is a Christian. Right. Okay. And so um, they talk about his faith. On mm-hmm. the actual documentary, and he puts an eagle on his cricket bat, which talks about a verse from Isaiah fourteen yep. about flying. Rise up like eagles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he puts every time he gets a new bat, he puts a new sticker on it. Anyway, so they talk, some of the teammates are like, "Oh yeah, it's funny. I, I should just get a crow on my bat too, and stuff like that." <laughs> but um, uh, it's interesting to hear that uh, Steve Smith, who is probably Australia's best bat, and probably not probably is, um, they talk about how. The relationship between Manus and him has really changed Steve Smith, who was very like mm-hmm. a little bit of an oddball, but an excellent cricketer. But only through like Manus, it seems like, and I'm making my own assumptions here as well. But it looks like Manus has been loving him heaps as a Christian, and they've be built up a really nice relationship between the two of them. And it's yep. making him it's more it's humanizing Steve Smith more. And then recently, he just scored two centuries in the Big Bash League. So I mean, hopefully, I mean that's really cool if. Manus is helping out. So I think it's similar to what you're saying is that even if you're not allowed to proselytise or talk about Jesus, how much your actions and transformational work of Jesus does have an impact on society wherever you're working? I mean, I remember we had Jono Jono Gale on 
yep. a while ago now, but he said that he had quite a difficult time at school, but he rocked up to the school you used to work at and yep. he had you as a homeroom teacher and yep. he said that massively affected his experience at school positively. Yep. Which I think is a really cool mm. um, opportunity you have to love the kids that you're in contact with. It is, it is. Um, yeah. Look, you know, the Bible is all about relationship. And for me and my faith, that is what is important to me, is relationship. Um, and so that's what I try very hard in everything that I do, is to develop a relationship with people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, to, and to care. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, it, 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 it's the really little conversations that have a huge impact. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's the fact that you can smile at somebody as you walk through the playground and you say good day. Um, you know, it's it's the respect you show people in dealing with them. Um, you know, it, it's not an easy job. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a classroom full of students who carry their baggage into your classroom, um, are carrying whatever has happened to them that day or whatever else not. Or at home. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, in the playground, you know, with the last teacher, you know, all those things and you've got to try and manage that as well as try and deliver your your content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, and that's and that's the really important thing mm. is that you actually being able to connect with that student mm. and, and show them that you care. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, I'd, I've done a lot of stuff on Boys Ed in particular mm. And one of the conferences I found really, really interesting from the point of view that the, the, the expert speaker was talking about the fact that, particularly for boys, it happens for girls as well, but they learn you before they learn your subject. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, that so fits into our Christian faith. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know that, that's what happened with people with Jesus, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. They learned him before they learned his message. Mm. Um, you know, and hopefully that's what we can emulate in our faith. Yeah. I mean, I even remember at school, like my favourite teacher, I don't think she was a Christian, but it was because I knew she showed me respect first that I respected her heaps. Absolutely. And she was this um, beautiful little, like she was very, very short. And even my, I remember my friend called the chalk duster and dusted her hair once and she just laughed at it and we're like, this is funny. And like people would put like the, the duster too high for her to reach and stuff like that. But she just like... Knew she took it in a stride. It knew that we like we were doing that because we actually respected her and we knew we could kind of get away with it. And she was like, "This is you're showing me respect in a way." Like, but there was also it. lines. Yeah, mm. there was. You no know, one, no one hardly ever got kicked out of a class or yep. anything like that either, right? So, so that's it. You, you've got to you've got to you've got to have that respect and that consistency. And I think, you know, I think that's a big thing as well. Is that is in relationship you need to be consistent. Mm. Um. You know, and, you know, I've tried that in my life. Hasn't always worked, but, mm. yeah. So we kind of got digressed a little bit into your teacher, which I actually really enjoyed because I wish I had more teachers like that, which is like I probably didn't show my teachers enough respect when I was in school <laughs> either. Uh, I didn't always do yeah. that. Don't worry about <laughs> that's that. That's it. But maybe we had to do it to find out how best to be a teacher. Even yeah. though look, a teacher. look at this way. I can look at a kid in a classroom and see the glint in the eye and go, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they go, do what? And I go, say, and I say, do whatever you're just about to do. <laughs> what you're thinking yeah. about, yeah. And they go, how do you know? Like, well, a bit <laughs> well, of experience, I man. used to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so if we, like, why don't we rewind back to your teenage years? Mm-hmm. You read that book that was really formative in your faith yep. as well. What were the later stages of high school being a Christian? Like you've just <laughs> called the Christian, which is yep. so. Which is so. You were saying that was tough too, because oh, in look, a like social situation, a, a, like a, that. A, yeah. a, a student started at the school in year ten or year eleven, and his nickname was the Terminator. <laughs> he was like, built it, like a brick outhouse. Is, right? is everyone called the something? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, but anyway, this guy was huge, and he just used to walk up and punch me. Uh. Right, and I have no reason. I have no understanding of why the guy would do this. Right, and you know, thank God he gave me the gift of the gab. And you know, one day this guy walked up, punched me in the chest, felt like my chest was about to cave in. It hurt that much, and I looked around and went, "Geez, the mozzies are bad today." <laughs> and everybody else laughed, and that was the last oh, time he punched him. me. Yeah, yeah. Wow. so that was nice. But so that was the sort of thing. Mm. Like the, it was hard. Right, because the cool kids didn't want to hang out with me. Yeah, I've never been cool. Um, mind you, now that I don't care what people think about me, I've so- suddenly become cool, which is just weird. But anyway, <laughs> the kids at school think I'm cool because I don't care what they think of me. Oh, um, which is nice. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that uh, I became heavily involved in the youth work of Guy Anglican. Um, and I persisted into that into my mid-twenties at various different churches, um, depending where I was. Um, So, because I was very aware that my faith meant I had to do. Um, You know, mum and dad were good in guiding that as well, but but faith meant action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it's it's not by works you get to heaven, but because of your faith you do the works. Um, and, and I'm still involved in ministry. I'm still involved in helping out at church, and that's because of, um, you know, God calls us to. Um, I can remember Stu once giving a really great sermon where he talked about church being like a football game. Yeah. And he said 22 guys running around on the field getting completely knackered while 40,000 cheered on. <laughs> And that very much is like church. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, yeah, so that had a big influence on me. Um, at the time, I also, oh, geez, it would have been in my early 20s. Um, I'm a big fan of music. I have a very large music collection. Nice. Um, and I woke up one day and... My demeanour had been quite poor. Um, was that because you were listening to The Cure? Was I was listening to some pretty crappy music. Yeah, okay. Um, and I woke up one day and God really convicted me and said, you need to change the way it works. And, you know, the Bible's very clear about what goes in has an impact. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, whether it's talking about... Um, food offered to idols or what you look at, what you listen to, all of that has an impact. Um, and so I throw it on my non-Christian music. Really? And for a long time, that's all I listened to was, after that was Christian music. And a lot of people ridiculed me for that, or re- at the time ridiculed me for it. Um, but I found that being a really pivotal moment in saying, okay, what, what is going in and what isn't. Yeah. Um, and that had a big impact on my life 
from the way I, you know, I suppose readjusted. Um, and I think that's huge for people, isn't it? Even now, I think a yep. lot of people kind of try to build it up and take pride in. Well, I can, I can withstand this. I'm yep. strong enough yep. to deal with the things that I'm putting in, taking in because I'm, I'm a big enough Christian. Like blah blah blah. Yep. Like I feel like, but when actually it all seeps in. Yep, oh, 100%. no matter what. 100%. Can I, can I tell you a story in regards to that? Yeah. So my wife, uh, she works at a Christian school and uh, they do like a chapel. Um, uh, I can't remember. It's at least once a week. And uh, one of the teachers who really enjoyed doing talks did one where he, <laughs> he showed a video of him starting to bake cookies and he went out of the backyard and got a little bit of dog poo <laughs> and put it in the mix. And then bake the cookies, and at the end of the video, and then he comes out and brings the cookies out. He goes, "Who's going to have one?" They're like, "Oh, I'm not having any." And he's like, "That's exactly what it's like. Like just a little bit." Yep, contaminates the whole thing. Yeah, it was really like that's a, it's rather brutal, but it's a good message. To I'd say. have eaten the cookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the first time, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to interrupt the flow there, but. Um, I was just going to ask, just in terms of church, because like, I know that you moved around a fair bit with your family, a little bit with your family, because yep. you started at a church in Cronulla, I think. Was that right? And no, Woolaware. Woolaware. Sorry, I was close. Right. Was so, Woolaware. West, West Wool- Cronulla. West Cronulla. <laughs> oh, ouch. Yeah. People from Woolaware won't want to hear that. Yeah, um, yeah, so we started out at Wollongong Congregational Church, um, and when the congregational Methodist and Presbyterian churches merged to form the Uniting Church. Yeah. Um, our church closed down. Um, so we had the option of going to a Uniting Church in the area. Um, but instead, Mum and Dad started looking around for churches and, and visited Jack Derrett, who was the minister at Gaimi. Mm. And, you know, and he was a great, he was a great catch. He, he really blessed our family. Mm. Um, great teacher. Great man. Godly man. He made his mistakes, but he, yeah, he was, it was a good place for our family. Yeah, cool. And then um, when did you move? You moved out into the country, though. No, I moved to Wollongong. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, you didn't go? Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Yes, we did. Sorry. We, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, so Dad's first um, branch as a manager yeah. was in... Narandra. That's it, yeah. Halfway between Wagga and Griffith. Um, we're only there for a couple of years. Um, and I think we're, yeah, we're at a uniting church there um, because the Anglican church there, even the Catholics called that high. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they still did all the bells and smells and the, yep. the incense and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So, yeah, okay. yeah, so we went to a uniting church there, came back, came back to Guyamere, Anglican. Yep. And then I was there until I got married. Uh, then I moved down to Wollongong, um, started going to Ostermere Anglican. Okay. Um, and then short stint, oh, we moved over to the UK. Um, so I spent four years, four and a half years in the UK. Mm. Uh, went to a Baptist church there, which was great. That was, that was a great family. And that was it. It's relationship. Yeah. You know, it, 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 each of the churches I've been at, it's been the people, not the... Not the church, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and at each church, I've been involved. I've I've involved myself in the ministry of the church because it's what Christ calls us to get, do. 
he calls us to go and preach the word. Mm. Um, you know, so, yep, did that. Uh, came back, went back to Oste. Um, my first marriage failed. Um, and so there was a whole bunch of church stuff in that. Um, ended up at back at Oste for a while and then I met Rachel. Um, and then we made the call to come to Sorrowville. Yeah, right. So, what has that mix of churches done for your faith? Do you think? Because you said like the constant was relationships, but that's quite a number of churches. So being perfectly honest, I've only gone to Guy Anglican and Sorrowville Church. Right. So, what's it like going to multiple so many churches? churches? Um, you got a church shop. Yeah. Um, look, I think it's I think it's important to find somewhere that fits. Um, but the really big important thing for me was 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 the preaching. Mm. Um, you know, were we being taught by somebody who was godly, mm. and and gave a godly message? Um, I, most of the teaching I've had is exegesis. Um, so you know, where where they're explaining scripture. Um, so that I think was more important um, for me and my faith. Um, and, it, and, it, and I think it makes your faith a lot realer. In the, why, why do you say that? <sighs> I'm a thinker. <laughs> My brain never stops. And so I need to understand. Um, you keep thinking about it until you do understand it? Yeah. Yep. And I keep asking questions until I understand. Um, you know, I ask a lot of whys. Yeah, I'm like that annoying two-year-old. Why? <laughs> but why? <laughs> so I think I think that's what's really suited me uh, in my faith. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so that you appreciate that teaching because it helps you with that, and as you try and uh, not decipher, but like kind of process the Bible and, and navigate. Sp- yeah, navigate. And I suppose that it, that's how it like goes back to what you're saying of like if you're not active in your faith then like a, an example of like an outworking of being active in your faith is actually seeing change in you yes so that's that's an interesting connection that i just you say that it is that you need to think about it a lot but also you want to see that change continually happening so that's cool you've also thrown out like a lot of stuff we we're just talking about so like i'm going to try and pull you back to a few different things tell us more about the music angle because I mean, I mean, I don't mind music, but Brayden is way into music more than I am. So maybe you can guys can <laughs> talk shop a little bit. But why do you think music is so like? Why do you find music so important and so interesting? And then tell us what what kind of changed for you as you said you you decided to go after like throw out all your all your non Christian music and just really listen to Christian music for a long time. Let's just like delve into that a little bit more. So does music help you through high school? Because it did for me. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, while I was doing my HSC, uh, Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy came out. <laughs> um, are, you, so are you a record? Are you listening to records? Or oh, absolutely. Oh, that's cool. See, absolutely. I've, never, I've never managed to get oh, that dude. far. Yeah. Record, the sound no, of records yeah, is, is beautiful. Yeah. And ideally I would love an analogue record player mm-hmm. with a valve amp. Yes. But I will never afford that. I'm waiting, so I'm waiting for my... My dad to give up on his setup, so he's got about wow. uh, he's got about four valve um, speakers, nice. and I'm just like and amps, yeah, and a proper amp, and I'm just like wow, 
Why don't you upgrade talking that? To, talking why don't about, you buy talking something about nerding that? it out. That's right. <laughs> this is nerding it out. Yeah, I'm like, why don't you upgrade that? You should upgrade to something that would work a little bit nicer. It doesn't work a bit nicer. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing as warm as oh, analog. It sounds yeah. so good. Um, That's because they talk about with that guitar amps as well, right? Yeah. Is yep. that like instead of having automatic? No, not automatic. Um, solid state amps. Solid state amps. You have mm. the analog amps, which blow actually blow out. Don't you have to replace them? Yeah. Well, right? yeah, but everything good doesn't last forever. Yeah. Mm. Except true. for heaven. Anyway. <laughs> Just throw that in there. Except <laughs> for heaven. This is a Christian podcast. Except <laughs> for heaven. <laughs> God, so Jesus. The Bible. Read more. Theological. theological read the Bible more. Correct. Isn't that it? Yeah. Remember Sunday school? Did you go to Sunday school? I didn't school? go to Sunday we didn't school. Oh, both from you didn't go? Families. Okay. <laughs> okay. So every, every answer at Sunday school was... God, Jesus, the Bible, yep. pray. That's also because your dad was a Sunday school teacher too, right? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, even and so and my mum. Oh yeah, of course. Both were. Yeah. yeah. So you know all the answers. I know all the answers. <laughs> all four of them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so back to the music. Sorry. Sorry. So yeah. Where do your love of music come from? Where did your love? I don't of music know. Come from? Mum and dad aren't huge into music. Um, I would argue that it's possibly my dad's mother's family. Um, because they were they were performers, uh, they were um, her her brothers um, and her father and uncles were song and dance men, so they used to perform in the in the halls in England. Um, so I'm putting it down to that, but you know, God's honest truth, I don't know. Um, but I've I've loved music since I was a kid, um, and I spent I have spent an awful lot of money <laughs> on music, um, too much money. Mm-hmm. Um, I then, uh, my first job was as a uh, product manager in a retail chain c- called Kurong. Oh, yeah. And um, I ran their music division. Oh, wow. And I used to work in a Christian nightclub as a DJ. Yes, um, tell us more. I, uh, yeah, I, I did a, a DJ, I used to DJ um, at Black Snump, oh, which yeah. was a Christian music festival. Yep. Um, I think my biggest crowd was about 3,000 people. Nice. But so also DJing is, what you're saying is a little bit different now to what DJing is these oh, days, Oh, very much right? so, yes. So do yes. you want to explain the differences? Because I think that's important for, oh. our, for our younger listeners. <laughs> Look, we're in a transition period where you're going from records to CDs. Mm. Mm. Um, now it's all digital. Mm. Um, but we were mixing so that you would put a, put a record or a CD in, you'd have to change the pitch. Yeah. And the speed of the song match to the, mix the, the previous beats. song. Yeah, match the so beats your beats per minute. minute. Yeah, yep. all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, you know, so I did all that. Didn't do it for very long, mm. but I did do it. Um, well, I've I, helped manage bands. I've um, been a roadie. Um, so I got right into music. There was there was a period in my late teens, early twenties, where I reckon I would have been at a gig nearly every weekend. Mm. Um, I was driving all over Sydney and at the time it was fantastic because there was a lot of Christian bands that were doing a lot of performing. Um, and so I think, I think the big thing that I saw through all of that was that how much of an impact it had on bringing young Christian kids together mm. to share their faith and, uh, and to share an experience that was not just you're on your own, you're isolated, you're in your own little church. It was mm. you, were, you were going to events where there were thousands of people and they were like you um and that became really really i suppose pivotal for me and it and it really showed me like the whole christian music side of things really gave me that like i can't feel morose or depressed 
if I'm listening to something that's glorifying God. Yeah. I can be thoughtful, um, but it's, there is that hope. And the message of hope that comes out of the, of the lyric and the content doesn't matter what style of music you listen to. I listen to a lot of things, a lot of different styles. Um, or should I say I listen to both styles, country and western. western. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I do love my Johnny Cash, though. Um, I do love Johnny Cash. Beautiful man. Um, talking about a Christian influence by his love for people. Yeah, right. Um, he, he, he had a lot of experience with Rick Rubin. Really famous producer. Yep. You're looking a little and bit like Rick Rubin. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and, um, you know, reading, reading what Rick wrote about Johnny Cash after his passing oh, okay. was quite remarkable. Have you heard the um, ACDC talk about Rick Rubin, though? No. <laughs> Malcolm and Angus Young are like, he was never there. Because <laughs> he produced uh, Ball Breaker, right. the, the album in 95. Right. And he was like, oh, Mr. Like, there's, they, there's an interview series where they, they talk about every album, him, uh, Malcolm and Angus. Yep. And they're like, oh, 95, eh? Yeah, Ball Breaker. That was with Mr. Rubin, wasn't it? <laughs> like, they could just tell they were not a fan of him. And, um, which is funny yeah. given how, like, uh, the reverence other artists talk about. Well, Johnny Rubin. Cash did five albums with him. Yeah, yeah. And which is crazy. Yeah, Johnny Cash has heaps of, if you look back, there's even audio, like you can look up of him reading the New Testament, like he did audio books of him reading the Bible. Did it's he? Pretty cool, yeah. yeah. Remember well, Lewis, he used to be Lewis the representative for Youth for Christ USA. Yeah, yeah. So, very strong Christian man. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I, actually, talking about coming back, really <laughs> looping right back, um, what got me into Christian music was a youth minister uh, called Greg Fay, and then one of the youth workers, Mick, and I can't remember his surname, took me to a Larry Norman concert mm. oh, yeah. in 1983 at the Entertainment Centre in Sydney, and it blew my mind. Really? Why? Just, like I said, the, the, the number of Christians that were all getting together um, and the fact that you could have a guy that was as talented as Larry Norman performing and singing about God, and then at the end of the concert, he, he, he actually said, um, this is going to be my last song, and I don't do encores because that's all crap, and that's, and that's um, bringing the glory on me, yeah. and I want the glory to go to God. And so he sung the song and he walked off. And there was about two or three people that try, started trying to chant and everybody else just went, yeah, no. Nah. It's not happening. It's not happening. And it was just a great experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's, yeah. So it was also because, like, you heaps in a music, so, like, a lot of the non-Christian stuff you, talk, you were listening to is, like, it's really ta- they're really talented musicians. And then go oh. see Larry Norman do the same thing from, like, a, a Christian, Christian perspective. perspective. Yep. Yeah. And people have, heaps of people have said to me, oh, but Christian music's not as good. And I just say no. Think of how many musicians are out there pumping out music, and how many are actually really good. Mm. And you've got a smaller subset of Christian musicians, mm. so how few of those are going to be really good? Mm. Just find the really good ones and listen to them. Yeah. So who would you say is the really good ones? Because if you're, I, I would be someone that say I don't like much Christian music. Yep. I do like Lecrae because I think his his lyrics are really awesome. Yep. Oh, if you're into rap, well, beautiful, no, beautiful actually, eulogy. Okay, well, I'm actually a classic rock guy. 
classic rock. So, like, who are you? Who are you saying that I should listen to for that? Oh, jeez, you'd have to give me time. Okay, to think about it. Or who's your favorite Christian bands then? Like, okay, Larry Norman. Um, I'm guessing is probably up there. Oh, Larry Norman, hundred um, percent. A whole bunch of bands from the '80s and '90s, just because of my age. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a band still around called Starfly Fifty Nine. It's one of my all-time favorite bands. Cool name. I like that. That's one guy. So he just works with a whole bunch of different people. Um, another band called The Choir, um, Steve Aker. Uh, really into an industrial dance band called Mortal, um, <laughs> which is really sad, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best non, uh, best Christian band like gig you've ever been to? Oh, What's the one that sticks Christian out in your gig. mind? Um, Larry Norman, multiple yep. of his gigs. Okay. Um, another band called the 77s, which again are one of my favourites. They were just phenomenal. Um, really, really quirky band, really small venue, and it just went off. Mm. Um, the choir. Um, when you talk about musicianship, the three main guys in that band, just incredible. Uh, the drummer was running a, I think he was doing a 4-4 beat, and the guitarist and the bassist were doing a 3-4 beat, and they were all playing in sync. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Um, if you're into guitarists, a guy called Phil Keegy, absolutely incredible. He he plays with his guitar. Mm. He doesn't play a guitar. He plays with it. I feel like we might need to create a chip lunch playlist curated <laughs> by you could by yeah, Greg yeah. here. That would be pretty cool. But it depends. It depends on the type of music you want to listen to. Yeah, yeah. But there's some really good stuff out there. Yeah, cool. And I, there's I some really awful stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> like every, everything. Yeah. Like everything. It's yeah. not all good. Yeah. It's yeah. not all good. Right. Um, oh, my final question was, how did, like, you were saying, oh, sorry, my final question about Christian music. How does, like, listening to so much Christian music, and you're talking about the hope that the lyrics are in, how does that personally impact, like, impact your faith? It helps me maintain perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another, and it's also a really great way of getting biblical content. Um, because, you know, some of the stuff I listen to is pretty much straight out scripture. Right. Um, and so you're getting a whole bunch of understanding of scripture, but through song rather than through reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it makes. I mean, depending on the artist, um, it can make the, the walk real because you, you're living it with them. Um, actually, talking about Christians, NF, um, have you heard of him? No. He's a rapper, no. a secular rapper, but he professes a faith. Right. Um, I mean, the thing you need to be careful of as well is how much do you idolise the person? You've got to keep that real. Um, because having, having worked in the industry... I, the Christian music industry, I have met a lot of these people historically. Um, I can remember there's a band called Switchfoot, which I reckon they're amazing. Um, I met them when they were a bunch of young boys first starting out and a lot of respect. Mm. Um, you know, whereas other artists I've met, I just went, yeah, you claim to be a Christian artist, but I don't see, I don't see that. You don't see that, you. yeah. yeah. Um, so that's been, that's been interesting as well um but it's about keeping keeping it real keeping it real you're keeping it real right always <laughs> i hope so um 
if we move on from Christian music, actually, Braden, give us your perspective on Christian music. I think I've got a weird relationship with Christian music because I didn't grow up listening to it. Mm, same. And I think, um, like a lot of things, it's easy to profess that there's nothing good anymore but not put any time or effort into trying to find anything good. Um, I think that just like I am not a massive fan of mainstream music, what would be like, what would be on, yep. an, I don't know, Nova radio, or whatever. Yeah, yep, yep. So why would I be a massive fan on what, of what is on Christian radio? Because like Greg said, the top, like there's only 0.00% of people are getting played on regular radio mm, so yep. that's even smaller for christian music yep. so yep. it's got to fit a um it's got to fit a very specific genre maybe or line to get played on that kind of thing so i you just have to dig and yep. find stuff you like and i think that's gotten a lot easier with spotify and oh. youtube and yeah you don't have to just go in and to the recommendations you don't have to go great. into sanity and go yep. that record that album cover looks cool i guess yep. i'll Spend 12 yep. bucks on this. Yep. Instead, you can kind of just keep following the, yep. the recommended and the Absolutely. things down, down great rabbit holes. And I think yes. I, really in the last couple of years, I think I've found much better stuff yep. than just through being able to go through Spotify. You don't have to be huge to get your music out there no. anymore. So mm. I think there is, it's a lot easier. I think a lot of people complain because it's a lot easier to put music out. So there is, a lot, there is more music. There's more bad music, but there's also good, more good music mm. that you can I listen agree. to. But it's just about it's about it's working to find it. But, yeah. I spent way too much time in record stores when I was younger. Yeah. yeah. What's the number one record store back in the day in Sydney? Ah, uh, most probably Red Eye. Yeah, Red Eye is still. Where's that at? Sorry. Um, uh, near Queen Victoria Building. Yeah. Oh, it's so like, Red it's Eye like underground, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That yeah. that was the that was the preferred record store of choice right. yeah. but i also spend an awful lot of time going through secondhand record stores yeah because you might get that hidden gem yep yeah for. yep that makes a lot of sense um all right let's move on from music for a minute because that's been it's really really enlightening to talk about that you mentioned also um you said that your marriage your first marriage didn't continue and then you've also married rachel and you have yeah, what i think is easily uh, probably described as a blended family yep what do you Tell me about that and whatever you feel willing to share because there's obviously some things you probably don't want to talk about, which is understandable. Uh, the stuff that's not appropriate for me to yeah, talk about. Yeah, I think so. And that's totally understandable. What, let's take a, a long-term view of that. What do you think that's, that God's taught you through that and, and how have you responded to it? I, I, yeah. While most probably the worst experience of my life, um, I am. I feel really blessed. Mm. Um, I actually think that if I stayed married, I possibly wouldn't have stayed a Christian. Um, and that's for a whole bunch of reasons, not about my ex-wife, but about myself. Um, you know, so there's no blame there. Please don't hear that. Um, I think I had invested an awful lot in who I was because of what I was. So being a husband, a father, you know, the, the job I had at the time, all of that sort of stuff. Um, whereas now I think I define myself a lot more by who God sees me. 
Um, not that I always do that successfully, but like I think I'm a lot better at that now. Um, I yeah, I, I look. I don't think I'm a heaps better Christian from it, um, but I think I think the thorns had grown up in my life. Mm. Um, you know, and that was just one of the one of the issues. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been really hard. It's, it's been really hard as a parent. Um, you know, it's been really difficult navigating that course as a Christian. Um, I think, I think the big thing that I've tried really, really hard to do, and I don't think everybody would agree with me that I have succeeded, but is I have tried very hard to be at peace as best you're able, um, in the situation, and I think that's, you know, I've had to stop and think a lot. Um, I would agonise over conversations I would have, you know, I tried very hard to apologise when I needed to um, and take responsibility for what I had to. Um, you know, I think, yeah, it, it, it's, I think I've always said I'm sorry um, for a lot of things, people people joke that I say it way too much, um, but I actually mean it. Um, but I try to mean it. Like I, I say to my own kids, and I say to the kids at school, "Don't apologise unless you mean it." Mm. And an apology is an apology. It's not a but. There's no but that follows an apology. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but I was just trying to. That's not an apology, to me. Um, and when you apologise, you don't say I'm sorry. You I say I'm sorry for mm. and actually verbalise what it is that you're sorry for. Because it's taking responsibility for that particular, particular thing. sin yep. or whatever, yeah. Yep, 100%. Mm. Um, so, you know, look, I, yeah, again, there will people who will criticise me for the way I've approached this, but that's what I've tried to do. And I've tried to honour God in everything that I've done. Um, again, I, don't, I haven't always succeeded in that. Um, but I've tried. I've tried to be real. Um, I've tried to to mend relationship where I could, and that's what I mean by be at peace as best you're able. Um, you know, there's a lot of times I've not fought for things because it was better to be at peace than not. Um, and that's actually really helped me with a lot of other stuff. Um, it's pretty rare I get upset with people these days I try very hard for a lot of stuff to wash over me because it's not important you know um, if somebody like I'm a huge coffee snob um, <laughs> if somebody makes me a bad coffee I don't go and complain I just throw it in the bin and walk away what's your go to coffee place four little beans yeah. in Wanuna. I've actually heard about that place I think it's, it's a quite, good place quite good. it's very good coffee I'll have to take a day trip. Mm. For coffee. Great people as well. Yeah. Even Known them cool. for way too long. That makes cool. it even better. It does. Yeah. Is it one of those places you're like, they're like the usual? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. Like what is it? What's your go to? I want to know. Double wanna shot, know. flat white, small. Okay. Small, small okay. though. Mm. Extra coffee, less milk, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> or occasionally a cold brew. I would like, yeah. I do like. Because I'm a yuppie. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> my wife's or is it a hipster? No, my uh, wife. Called, my daughter called me a hipster. 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 Yeah. I went into a I went into a coffee shop with my daughter, and they said, and she started to order for me because I'm that predictable with my order. Yeah. And um, I said, oh, do you have any cold brew? And they said, yeah. And I said, can I have one of those? And she turned and looked at me and went, you're a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> the my beer, wife's just the started drinking yeah. iced coffees. Sorry? So my wife's just started drinking iced, no, iced coffees in the last year. But it's interesting, she didn't. As in with milk? Yeah. But so I can't, yeah, I can't do it. But uh, only in summer. So she still wants a coffee, but she's having in summer. Yeah, go so cold she'll brew. Have, yeah. She'll have a hot coffee in the morning, but then we will go have it. Like if you go to the yeah. beach, you'll have a cold brew, yeah. like yeah. A, cold, a cold iced coffee. Yep. Going to Whereas that's where I'll do a, a black cold brew. Mm, yeah, there you black go. cold brew. So anyway, I can't get into coffee to be perfectly honest. With one you. day, one day. Oh, I tried. I've tried. I'm like, you just got to start. There's working. already enough bitterness in me <laughs> to, 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 to add more coffee in there. <laughs> Too bitter. <laughs> There's sometimes that I think it's the only thing that keeps me operating. Yeah, <laughs> see, man, I can't stand these people. Like, oh my, my day only starts when I have my first coffee. I'm like, that's just. Painfully not true. <laughs> the day has already started, guys. Started at twelve one a.m. and now you're. Do you feel attacked, up. Greg? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> not that I care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Washing over me. Uh, but Can what about? Oh, sorry, you're going to oh. ask a question. Go, go. Oh, I was going to ask about a different topic. So, well, the only thing was just talking about you married Rachel. Um, I'd love to hear how that happened, and also like just, I mean, you guys had kids from other relationships if i'm correct yes and then how does that work bringing that all together yeah yeah i'm no expert there don't ask me <laughs> we've um, done it more than i have <laughs> <laughs> um well we met at work um okay. so we were both teaching at the same school um look it it took me a long time to get to the point of thinking about another relationship um then i think that's understandable i yeah i it was interesting because for a long time there, I never saw me having another relationship. Um, just from the point of view that, yeah, I just needed to deal with my stuff. Mm. Um, you know, but I think it's God's timing. Um, Rachel talks about the fact that she was saying to God, I need somebody. Um, you know, and at that point, I reckon he triggered in me the desire that maybe I did want somebody. Um, and so that's how, how it all started. Um, it, it, it's a reasonably funny story um, from the point of view that we used to hang out as friends and at one point one of the kids saw us going to the movies together and spread the rumour around school that we were going out. <laughs> and, and he didn't have the guts to hassle me about it, but he did hassle Rachel about it. Oh, <laughs> And so all these kids were giving Rachel a bit of a hard time, but nobody said anything to me because they knew I'd, you know... I wouldn't take it lightly. <laughs> and so Rachel came and told me and I went up to this kid and I said, do you think I'd be as stupid as that to take her out where I knew somebody like you would see yeah. if we were going on a date? <laughs> and he said, oh, that's a good point. And I said, so you need now to rectify this and tell everybody <laughs> that we weren't on a date. And so that rectified and within a couple of months we were dating. <laughs> <laughs> and so then that was great cover. Yep. And it wasn't until we actually got engaged that most of the school knew that we were going out. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. That's not bad. So keeping it quiet from work colleagues isn't bad. No, we did very good. That's there was bad. only about a hand, like four or five people, I think, that actually knew we were going out because mm. we just kept it quiet. Mm. 
So that's pretty funny. I, I don't think I'd be able to do that. <laughs> like in, in, terms in the of context that. of school, I think it was a good thing to do. Hey, babe. I mean, uh, Gretchen. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just like Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> Stuff that one up. By the way, yeah, I, no. I do not call my wife babe. <laughs> I think it's funny when other people are like, babe. I'm like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, what are you doing dear. over here, babe? Anyway. Uh, yeah, sorry. Keep you having going. fun there? Yeah, I'm having a great time. <laughs> I have a great time by myself here on this podcast. Is it time for me to leave? Uh, no, you. Uh, I'm having a great time listening to you. Um, yeah, I suppose that you talked about how you met Rachel. Yep, you got married. How does it? How does it? Again, like I know I've asked this question okay, a couple of times. Okay, part of the part of the reason we we came to Solis was for the kids, um, because Rachel's kids lived up in the Shire, um, and my family was here, so it made sense that as a combined family we we choose, you know. A different church for both of us, I think, was was reasonably helpful. Mm. Um, blended families are tough. Um, uh, it, it's got you got to show a lot of grace. Um, you know, grace is the biggie. Um, and it was for between Rachel and I, and then with the kids, um, we tried. And I mean, our our approach was more that. You know, things like discipline, you know, those sorts of things were all done by the parent. Um, I never tried to take their father's role. Um, and Rachel did the same with my girls in not, in not being their mum. We were always the step-parent. Um, we tried to show them all, as much love as we could um, and accept them as much as if they were our own. Um, you know... There were times that they would most probably claim that we weren't, um, and that's okay. Mm. We're not perfect. Um, but it was, yeah, and like I think, you know, it, it. the big thing for Rachel and I was that at some point our kids are not going to be around and it's about us. And so it's about making it about our relationship first and foremost um, and then trying very hard to leave that as the cell and not to bring the frustrations and annoyances with, you know, for me, Rachel's kids, out on her and vice versa. Um, so it was, yeah, and that's what I mean by a lot of grace. You know, um, we both carry a lot of baggage and that was, that was, we talked about that when we got into the relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, we had our own stuff, um, but we just tried very hard to care and love and, and be a unit. Um, we came together when our kids were a bit older, so that was a bit harder as well because they didn't have that commonality of childhood. Um, so that was tough. Um, my eldest two are a fair bit older than hers. Um, so there's all of that as well, but you know, we just tried. We just tried to make a family. Um, didn't always succeed. Uh, we apologised a lot. Good. I've said sorry a lot. <laughs> um, you know, but it's, yeah, and negotiation. You know, and trying to make the kids involved in the process as well. Yeah. Trying to include them, help them in the decision-making processes. Mm. I mean, I think it would be tough. Oh yeah, yeah, real tough. 
Can you just give us the numbers? How many? You've so got? I've got four daughters. You've got four girls. Yep. Right. And Rachel has a son and a daughter. Yep. And so it goes my eldest two, Rachel's son, my twins, and then Rachel's daughter. Okay. So there's six kids. Is that right? And two Five, adults. yeah. Yeah. Five girls and one boy. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> There's a dynamic. <laughs> what do we call the dynamic? I don't know if there's a dynamic. <laughs> um, Brenda, you had a question. Oh, before. yeah. Well, it was actually bringing it back to teaching is obviously a massive part of your life yeah. and has been part of your life for a long time. Did you always know you were, you wanted to be a teacher or is it no. just kind of something? What, like how did that process happen for you? Where? I'm a big believer in God opening doors. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that God has a – how do I put it? without being too contentious. Um, I believe that the way God operates with us is that it's about us glorifying him and making decisions and us making decisions based on what we understand as glorifying him. Um, there's, I remember growing up and it's, oh, God's got a job for you and God's got a person, marriage person for you and all this sort of stuff. And, it, and, it, and reflecting on that, it's... That's a lot of, lot of pressure. That's what if I pick the wrong person? What if I pick the wrong job? Um, yeah, so am I've, I kind of going against God's will? Yes. If I make a mistake? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but thinking that through over my years is that there's a lot of people in this world that don't get to pick their job, that don't get to pick their wife, yeah. right? Um, for whatever reason. And so does that mean they're not doing what God wants them to do? Um, I think if you want a God in what you do, then that's 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 how it works. Um, I believe God is a is a God that's that's interactive with us and and works in our life. Um, so I believe that it's about knocking on doors and making decisions. The first job I I got, I actually fasted. Um, so I went for a period where I didn't eat for I think about a week. Um, because I was praying about and wondering about, and when I felt hungry, I'd made the decision. Um, I've never done that since, but that was something that I experienced that at the time worked really well. Um, Most of the time with work, it's been about knocking on doors um, and walking through doors when they open. And sometimes you get frustrated because you don't think it's going to happen. It mightn't be until years later that you realise why God, you know, was involved the way he was and the experience that you had. Um, But it's about knocking on doors. And so I've just spent my life knocking on doors and walking through when they opened. Um, You know, and God's blessed me in that. He's greatly blessed me in that. I've had quite a few jobs. Um, I've had several different careers. Um, I've travelled because of work. I've, I've lived overseas because of work. Um, I've met a whole bunch of people because of work and, you know, I've worked in a whole bunch of different areas and the latest one is where I'm at. Um, do I think I change the jobs? No. Could I change the jobs? Absolutely. Depends what happens. Um, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't have any, I don't have a belief that God has a fixed plan for my life. I think he just wants me to honour him in everything that I do. So what was the door that you knocked on to become a teacher? Um, well, that was a bit of a process. So where was I when I started? 
Look, I've, I've spent a lot of my life helping people understand stuff. Um, you know, regardless of the job that I've been in, I've done a lot of training. Um, yeah, okay. And a lot of it on the job training to actually help other people understand stuff and learn stuff. Um, and so when I came back to Australia after living in the UK, I ended up working for Mission Australia as an adult education officer. Um, so I was doing, running a work for the doll program. And it was sort of at that point that I thought, you know, maybe, maybe teaching's the gig for me at this yeah. point in my life. And so I applied for a grad dip ed and got in. And that's what I'm meaning by knocking on doors, mm. you know. Um, you know, I've applied for jobs. I mean, my first job in teaching, I wasn't really intending on getting the job. <laughs> I got a job interview and I thought, oh, this is just a good experience to learn. Because <laughs> I'd heard, you know, six people had applied for the job. Yeah, It was a mat leave position for a year. And I walked into the interview. I had a job at Mission Australia. I was perfectly happy. I just needed to do pracs at a school. Yeah, And I got asked to apply for this job. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go. And I was cash as and cracking jokes and being stupid. <laughs> Got a phone call the next day saying we'd like to offer you the job, and my actual response was, "Oh, really? Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to have to call you back." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> What's the most rewarding thing about teaching, and the most difficult thing? For the most rewarding is seeing a light turn on in a kid's eye yeah. when they actually understand and know. Um, when and I, I say that would be as as important as seeing a young person blossom. Um, seeing a young person, yeah, learn who they are and actually grasp hold of that and, and being able to speak into that. Um, that would be the most rewarding. The hardest thing is kids making dumb decisions, <laughs> um, you know, and, and seeing kids loss. You know, it's, it's really sad. It's, it, you know, because, you know, it's like youth ministry. You want to save all of them. Yeah. You know, it, and you can't. And that would be the hardest thing is, is watching kids make continual decisions that you know is going to end up really poor. Mm. Well, I think we're coming towards the end of the podcast. So there's that final question that we always like to ask before we do wrap up the chips, as we like to say. Yep. Uh, we've looked over many different parts of your life, and I like it that we kind of jumped in, we didn't make it a full timeline. I think that yep. was fun. What is the, now that you're an older Christian, what do you wish you knew when you were a younger Christian? Um... I think it's about, like I've always focused on relationship as a person, um, but I think I think the arrogance of youth, um, the 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 defining who I am by what I do and where I sit with others more than defining where I sit before God. Yeah. Um, I think I th- that was a really hard lesson to learn. Um, because at that point my life collapsed um, because it wasn't those things anymore, if that makes sense. Like an identity thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's important. 
um, I've always I've always looked at it from the point of view of perseverance. Um, my dad was very pragmatic. He said, "If there's two things I can teach you in life, is common sense and logic." <laughs> um, and I sometimes think he did it too well. Um, so I am a very pragmatic person. So, yeah, it's it's more to be, yeah. Um, so it's more about that. Who do I identify as? Who who where where do I place my identity? Mm. Um, I think would be most probably one of the biggest things. Mm. It's I've got to place my identity in who God sees me as, and then that drives my motivation for everything else. Um, my value to God. And the fact that I am fearfully and wonderfully made and I am made in his image um, means that means everything. It, it doesn't matter if I'm fat or tall or skinny or, you know, I, I can't do certain things. You know, I would have loved to have played for Sheffield Wednesday. That was never going to happen. Um, I never got above the Ds uh, playing football. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, you know, so it doesn't matter. Um, you know, and and I think the other thing that I've learnt is not to care what other people think as long as you're trying to honour God. Mm. Um, I don't have to be liked if I think I'm doing the right thing. Um, and I don't have to have everybody agree with me. Um, and I've learnt a lot of grace. I've had to show myself a lot of grace and so I've learnt to give other people grace and to try and approach them where they're at. And I think that's what Paul talked about, isn't it? I'm all things to all men. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, that exuberance of youth sometimes means that you make some pretty dumb decisions. Um, and you can sit there and be very self-righteous. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I'm just um, re- reflecting on just some of the things you just said, grace, like you've learnt a lot of grace and giving yourself grace and others grace. But uh, there's also something in there for me, it's just like you've shared quite a few difficult things and the stuff that you've gone through. And I think that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast, the chip lunch in particular, is just hearing people's stories Um because some people can relate to that. They've gone through similar things and how they've come through and how they've trusted God in that and how it's affected their faith. And I think that it comes back to something that you're talking about is relationships. Like where even if it's a, like, a, like a digital format like podcasts, we're still, in, in a sense, building a bit of relationship with, oh, absolutely. That, uh, you, with you sharing those things. And I think that's really quite special. And I think, Thank you. And I think also just uh, the fact that Jesus allows us to do that. That's the other thing that I'm getting is that I think we, we always ask before the podcast, oh, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And you said, no, I'll talk about anything. Um, and I think the fact that you've shown yourself some grace is that that's what allows you to talk about that in appropriate ways, whatever you want to put out online. But that's what I've also found is that Jesus allowed you to do all those things that you've been talking about is the grace, the relationships. And um, sharing that stuff, I think it's just been really nice to hear that. And as someone that I haven't experienced many of the things that you have, I think it's really good to give me perspective on those kind of things too. But because we 
share a faith in Jesus, we can share that and learn from each other and understand each other yep. better. I think that's what's really cool. I, I have been blessed with a very good life. Mm. It has not always been an easy life, mm. but I have had a good life. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, I think, what the Christian church needs to recognise in our society is that, is that we are blessed, incredibly blessed with all the things that we have and the access to what we have. Mm. Um, but I think that, and that needs to teach us that because of that blessing, we need to give grace. We need, and, and we actually need to approach um, people with where they're at. Um, never forget my dad told me the story. He was talking to a missionary, uh, uh, an African minister. And the guy said, I would not live in your world for anything. He said, you've got all of this stuff, but your life is so much harder than ours from the perspective of the stress and the anxiety and depression and all those sorts of things. Um, And I recently heard um, on the radio there was um, a woman talking about her experiences in Africa and she basically said the same thing. You know, we have a very hard life, but we don't have the issues that you guys face. And and I think we, we forget that. Mm-hmm. We forget that, um, you know, that every interaction you have with a person is not just that moment. Yeah. Um, they're bringing all of their stuff into that situation as well. And so when you approach that person, you need to be aware of that and you need to show that grace so that you can reach them and that you can have some sort of experience and relationship with them. Um, I get incredibly frustrated when people get angry at, you know, wait staff and all those sorts of things because something took a little too long or whatever. It, does it really matter? Mm. You know, does, does your eternal salvation hinge on whether you got your meal two minutes earlier than you actually did? Um, and that's what I try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> to give myself perspective about. Mm. I think um, your experience has given you that perspective too. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and I feel really blessed by that because I've had, I've had a couple of people at work say, I'm actually learning not to get as frustrated about stuff because you just go, yeah, whatever. doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and that's lovely. Mm. That's nice. Mm. Um, you know, but again, I fail. I fall short. Yeah, we all we all do, man. (laughs) Brendan, final words, my friend. Before we really wrap up the chips, really wrap them, really, really really wrap them up, wrap them up nice and tight. I've just been massively encouraged. Mm. Um, Yeah, a lot of stuff I didn't know about Greg, but also Mm. just happy to sit here and listen and chat. Thank you. Nice way to spend a Friday afternoon. (laughs) 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 So, thank you very much, Greg. More than welcome. Really appreciate it. Thanks thank for your time. you. And also thank you to everyone that's been listening or watching as well. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we'll be back next week with another guest to hear about their uh, faith journey or being a Christian. What are you laughing at? Oh, I just love when you go radio host mode. Faith journey. We'll faith journey is next kitsch, week. isn't it? Their journey mm. of faith. That sounds a little bit better. We've been on a journey today. We'll work on we? it. We'll yeah. workshop it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Brayden. Thanks, everyone watching and listening. I've been Joel. Enjoy your weekend if you're listening to this on Friday <laughs> or any other time. And we always like to finish with a one-way, Greg, if you're willing to do that with us. One-way. One-way. One way.